All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Angler's Happy Hour podcast. As you can see, uh, we've got Rob and we've got a special guest today, um, someone far less sarcastic than Nick. It's our uh, good buddy, Dave Davis. So <laughs> Nick's on a little vacation and um, Dave's a good buddy of ours, an avid tournament angler and uh, the owner of DD26. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys have DD26 stuff already on your boat, but um, you know, Dave and I were having a conversation a couple weeks ago and we said, man, this would be some pretty good podcast material. So we'll dive. We're actually going to dive into that pretty quickly here. Um, but before we do that, Real quick, we'll just run uh, run across what uh, what's your last couple of weeks been like, Rob? Well, again, I still haven't been fishing a whole lot. It's just working on my boat garage and hoping to get that done uh, once fishing starts to be really good come springtime. But uh, yeah, that's been my life every day. I wake up and that's what I do. So. Hey, that's <laughs> it's the time of year to do it. It's great. Yep. You know, it's yep. uh, fishing has somehow still been decent out here. You know. Uh, yeah. Dave, I saw you at the lake the other day and you had had a solid day <laughs> Nick and I took the boys out and, um, we had a good day and, you know, I've, I've fished a couple of times since then it's been good, but we do have the, the coldest week of the year. I think it's probably pretty safe to say that this week that, you know, the, the storm that hit yesterday and the next week ahead, coldest week that we're going to have all year here in Arizona, I guarantee the water temps are going to drop another two or three degrees or more. And, uh, we'll see what that does to the fishing, but uh, as of right now, it's been a decent winter, I would definitely say. What were you seeing in water temps up up until this last weekend? What were you seeing? It's not quite into the real mid-mid-50s yet, like a lot of 57 still. Have you noticed, wow. Dave, on your graph what it, what uh, you saw out there? I, I thought I was seeing 58. This past okay, week. yeah, you, so you you probably were. So that's, that's above crazy. normal for this time of year, for sure. It, 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 man, when it gets... When it gets below 55 here in Arizona, these are sissy fish, dude. I'm telling you, these, uh, you know, it has to get below like 48 for it to really shut down back east. But uh, yeah, you get below 55 here in Arizona and these fish go hide in, in an igloo. So um, they're just like us. Exactly. Exactly. It's we were actually going to record this podcast a lot earlier. I do it in the garage, as uh, most people know. And uh, I I'm kind of glad we were able to push it back. 11 it really uh i would have been chattering my teeth in here trying to do this thing but um yeah, i think it was 27 degrees at my house this morning so that's that's crazy probably cooler by you too josh down where you're at right it was cool it was cool man so the, all of our listeners up north will scoff at, at this conversation here but it's cold for us so uh cut us some slack everybody up north for sure um but hey let's dive right into this and really it's a hot topic in in fishing right now it, it kind of always has been a lot of people want to know how the sponsorship side of fishing works you know like i get asked all the time from aspiring tournament fishermen to people that have never fished a tournament say hey how does the sponsorship work um how do you get sponsors um you know what do you guys do for each other and um obviously there's not one clear-cut answer but you know it's been all the uh the podcast on the internet over the last six months, there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening, a lot of drama. The fishing industry has been, it's been on fire in some good ways and some bad ways, I would say. And, uh, you know, we stay out of those weeds and, and we're going to stay out of the weeds today too. But um, just having this conversation with Dave, uh, who full disclosure is also a sponsor of mine. Um, but we've known each other for a really long time. I think we've known each other for 
gosh, probably 12 years at least. And um, he's on the other side of it. So like, I, I thought it would be really interesting to hear from an actual industry insider's perspective of how sponsorship works. When is it, when does it work? When doesn't it work? And uh, what's it like from that side? So um, we'll get into that in a minute, but Dave, um, welcome to the podcast, man. What, uh, what does your Monday look like today? Man, I'm, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to get on here and, you know, chat with you guys. As you know, the industry is near and dear to my heart. Um, sponsorship, I, I don't know what the right word for it is, but it's probably broken or, or maybe um, in flux a little bit in, in a critical point where we need to all kind of band together and, and figure out how to do this best. But as far as what Monday looks like, you guys nailed it. I was scraping ice off the windshield this morning on the way in, got into the office. The office itself was, uh, I think, 61 degrees when I walked in. So I know the boys in the back in the shop are uh, getting in their boots a little bit back there. But we're going to keep pumping out some parts. That's the goal for today. That's cool. So, yeah, before we talk about that, let's talk about, well, let's talk about you as like as an angler first, um, just to kind of give some background on who you are, um, how you got into fishing. Um, you know, I was around for a lot of it, which is pretty neat, man. I watched uh, you develop like on the fishing side and, uh, you know, turn, turn into a, a really avid tournament angler and a really good angler. But, um, how long have you been fishing? And then, you know, what about the fishing industry? Like, how did you get involved in the fishing industry? Yeah. So, you know, fishing, uh, I grew up in the Midwest. So back in, um, Illinois, uh, and, and did quite a bit of, you know, pond fishing and stuff like that some fishing with my dad on Lake Michigan, but nothing, nothing major. And it wasn't until I got out to Arizona, I had to come to the desert to learn how to fish and be taught by the guys like Josh Bertrand, uh, how to fish and what to do. But, uh, so it's been, um, gosh, I don't know, like you said, 12 or 15 years out here. Um, as far as, you know, getting more involved in the fishing industry, the great part of that, Josh, you were a big part of that, um, with rigid industries, you know, we chose to go and, four or five different vertical markets where we really wanted to, to help that industry uh, and grow within that industry. And fishing was one that just kind of jumped out to me. So once we sold rigid, um, you know, it, it was awesome for me because it was an eye-opening experience in the fishing community. I just loved it, fell in love with everything about it. Uh, we got so involved in it that you can't help but want to be um a bigger part of it in terms of helping lay a foundation to make sure that it's there 15 years, 20 years from now. So um, it, it just was a great opportunity. And without guys like you, um, you know, I think you took me to my first tournament, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, we did. If you have important calls, dude, just take them and, and uh, Rob and I'll take the phone. <laughs> we'll take, take the podcast over, man. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been cool to see. And uh, you know, when I look at uh, what DD 26 has, turned into you know it's still a pretty young company um yeah it makes me proud to know you man it's all it's all american made stuff and uh you know people are like shocked when they find out that you're right here in mesa like uh you know to, someone will make a comment whether it's a guide client or someone i see at the ramp or just whatever the company comes up and i'll say yeah the owner's a buddy he lives or you know the, the office is right here in mesa so it's it's pretty cool to see we don't have a lot of I don't know. We don't have a ton of fishing industry here in Arizona. So um, I think that's pretty neat. What else is based out of here that, that you guys know of? Boy, I, I think there's a few of the um, mold uh, guys, the guys that make mold for custom plastics. 
um, some fishing rod guys, right? But there's not a, your lot. You're right. There's not a lot. But I, I will tell you this, Josh. We get more walk-in traffic than I ever dreamed of. Um, it's good and it's bad because I end <laughs> up usually I don't know how to shut my mouth, so I talk to people for half an hour, 45 minutes. But um, it's awesome, actually. And guys get to actually walk and see the shop. And, um, you know, we're proud of what we do. The guys in the back, super blessed with the staff that cares, that's passionate about the industry. So when the customers see that, when they go in the back, it makes a big difference. I think, I think, um, you know, when you're, you're making a premium product or trying to make a premium product, you want to make sure that people see what you're doing, right? It's not just, you know, cheaply done or done without process or, you know, imported from overseas. So it's a cool deal. We're lucky to be here in Arizona. What made you focus on like boat accessories? Obviously, like knowing you now, like your mind is you have your you've got an inventor's mindset for sure. Mine doesn't work. My my head doesn't work the way yours does. Um, but like, yeah, how did you land on on boat products? And I think I know what your first product was, but what was your first breakthrough product? Yeah, to to be honest with you, um, it started as a hobby, right? I mean, we sold rigid and the first product was actually rods. I had somebody making fishing rods for us. And the only reason we did that was because I had never had a set of rods that were uh, all the same in my life. Right. So um, that was where we kind of started. And then um, when Mercury made the switch from uh, two stroke to four stroke, that was really what kind of took us into the direction that we are today, which is, you know, heavy into the motor totes and steering locks and boat accessories and that type of stuff. Um, there was just a, a lull for about nine months, eight, nine months for a motor tote. And I happened to have a boat that had a four stroke, had some other folks that had the four stroke. And that was really what kind of guided us into this. Again, this wasn't, um, it wasn't where we went and said, Hey, let's go start a business tomorrow and, and go conquer the world. It was more of a, I need one of these for my boat. And the next thing you know, you're doing in your garage and then you're too big for your garage. Your daughter can't ship all the packages. So now you've got to get someone to help and get a building. Um, here we are, what, four and a half, five years later. Um, I think we've got about eight CNC machines and almost 20 employees now. So it's yeah, been that's a great, awesome. great story. Yeah. It's yeah. impressive how you guys do everything in-house too. I mean, it's, I, I know I've been one of those people that has come by and taken 30 or 45 minutes of your time before and <laughs> walked around and talked. And it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely impressive. Well, we appreciate it. And to be honest with you, that's the best part of the day for me. I know, I know time is valuable, but I also know that I'd have a whole bunch of time on my hands without the customers that come in. So yeah. uh, every <laughs> day of the true. weekend, twice on Sunday, I'd take the customer. So. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, sweet. Yeah, that's great. I think that's an awesome background on the, on the business. Make sure you guys, um, you know, check them out. If you haven't seen DD 26, check Dave out online. Um, he's, he's on Instagram, he's on Facebook as well, but, um, some awesome stuff I've got. And I'll, if you ever see me on the road, I, my boat is completely decked out. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm spoiled when it comes to that, but, um, I've got an, a nice boat and uh, I want to keep it nice. So I've got lots of cool stuff just all the way ranging from the motor totes to little uh, graph clips that uh, keep my Garmin graphs from popping off. If I don't install them right when I'm running down the lake, everything 
any anytime um you know you have an issue with your bass boat you call dave and say hey can you come up with something for this and uh oftentimes he does so um check check that out dd26 and let's dive into our our first topic here um just sponsorship like in your words what uh what is what does the sponsorship world look like to you and like what is a healthy say you're going to sponsor an angler what does a healthy relationship look like to you yeah, the, the bottom line for me, and I'm super passionate on this topic, Josh, it, it's got to help both parties. I mean, it, at the end of the day, you know, you can fake your way through a year or two if the, the synergy is not there between the two parties. But if you can't both look in the mirror at the end of this and say, wow, we both helped each other get where we want to go, th- there is no sponsorship. It becomes a one-way you know deal for one or the two parties. And when that happens you know, there's residual effects down the road usually um, where, you know, maybe one of the two parties carries that into the conversation with someone else or, so it's a, it's a tricky subject. So, you know, when you ask me, what do I look for? A, the first thing I'm going to look for is a good person because I want to make sure that person is, you know, bought into, Hey, this has to go both ways. We both have to understand it's you know, it's a two-way street. So that that's critical for me. That'd be the number one factor is if both sides don't think they can help each other, they shouldn't engage in that you know, partnership. That makes sense. And then based on that, on that initial approach too, like obviously it helps if um, the person's got to know about your, about you and your brand and uh, also have a real interest in the products, right? Like, I mean, it's cause you can see right through it when they haven't used the products or they really aren't aware of the products, right? You're you're a phenomenal example of this, Josh. You know, for the first three years we were around, you were using our products. We didn't have a formal engagement, if you will. Um, That makes it really easy for me to want to partner with somebody um, because they believe in it. They, they, They like see the quality. And again, when you're trying to make something that's a premium product, Pictures don't do it justice. Social media doesn't even do it justice. What does is somebody actually feeling it in their hand or using it on a regular basis long-term and saying, okay, I get it now. So no that's doubt. a huge plus. Well, yeah. And from the angler side, that's, that's, it's huge. Like, uh, you, you know, you can tell when, when an angler is um, just throwing proposals out to the wind and, um, you know, okay. Even if one of those does connect, man, what if it connects with, with the wrong company, you know, and, and you miss, you miss an opportunity to work with the right company because you were, you were throwing proposals at everybody. Um, you made a connection with the wrong company and then, uh, yeah, you never had that opportunity. So, um, yeah, I don't know for me anyways, it's, I, as an angler, it's the same way. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna link up with someone who you don't see, you know, working with hopefully for a while, things happen, things come up, but, um, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Um, so, and then like throughout the, throughout the course of your relationship, what are you looking for out of a, out of an angler, like, uh, as, as someone who's promoting your brand? Yeah. I, it, it's again, one of those scenarios where you're looking for a good person. If the person is good, they're going to carry the brand in a way that is respectable, right? It's not gonna, that, that whole thing that any publicity is good publicity, well, it's not if you're out there cheating or if you're out there, you know, doing something that's going to tarnish the brand. So it's somebody who's carry the brand in a 
in a positive light. Somebody's going to help um, grow the company in terms of what ideas do they have or what feedback do they have on existing product or maybe, you know, the, the worst thing is you get is a yes guy. Oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they actually hate it. Or there's three, four flaws where if they just tell us, we'll fix it. You, you know, if there's something wrong with something, then we'll jump on it because we want it to be the best out there. So um, for a long-term, you know, partnership to work, it's, you know, part of it is loyalty. You know, you don't want somebody who's going to jump from, you know, brand A to brand B to brand C just because there's dollars there or um, maybe a different opportunity came up. You really want somebody, again, who's loyal. You know, it, it companies, believe it or not, companies will invest in the angler. And what I mean by that, it's not just money. It's not just, you know, uh, giving a product or something like that. It's also we're teaching you the product, right? So our motor tote's a great example. You know, that's a question that's out there all the time. How does this save the transit? How does this, you know, well, it takes years for some folks to be able to talk about certain things in a comfortable way where, they can actually convey the information properly. And so if people are jumping ship after every year or two years, because they're looking for, you know, another 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, or um, like you said, maybe it wasn't the right fit from the beginning because they spammed 3000 people with the same media kit and somebody jumped on it, you know? So it's, it's really important. Um, you know, the vetting process at the beginning to me, making sure that it's very clear what each side wants out of it and then working towards that over the years. That's so important because it, it, that itself will mold where you're going in three years or five years with a sponsor. That makes sense. You, you, you got a lot of good points there. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me was like where you brought up that you don't need a yes man, right? Like, so say you do hook up with uh, you guys you <clears throat> start working with an angler and um yeah, everything that every idea that you pitch to this guy, oh yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great, and you take his word for it, and you build that product, and it ends up not being a good product. Um, you know, that's you're the one losing out there. You know, I've seen it, I've seen it big time um, on the on the fishing tackle side, right? Um, Berkeley Pure Fishing, Abu Garcia, they utilize their pros big time with developing baits and stuff, and. Uh, yeah, like if if I get a prototype bait sent to me and I either don't throw it or throw it and don't love it, but I just tell them that it's good, they're going to make a bait that doesn't catch any fish and uh, it's going to be a big problem, right? So like uh, for all the anglers out there, like, yeah, your sponsors are leaning on you heavily for your honesty. Like as much as you are other things, you are... Um, you're out there to test stuff out. Right. And, um, a lot of times it's getting in your hands first. So, you know, it, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like you might be the first to break it, but that's a good thing because it's not out on necessarily out on the, on the shelves. It, whatever broke can be fixed or improved before it does go out to the masses. So, uh, that's a really, really big deal to me. You know, Josh, on that point real quick, um, in all honesty, an angler, isn't always going to be able to recoup the dollars paid. So in other words, if we sponsor somebody and we give them X amount of dollars, let's say it's $10,000, they pretty much have to go out and sell almost four times that in order or influence enough people to get almost four times that in order for us just to break even. And in all honesty, and probably 
50 plus percent of the sponsorships. That just doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, no so, doubt about it. So these other intangibles that you're talking about, the product ideas, the honesty, that's there's value to that. And I think anglers really need to grasp that and embrace it and say, I'm not a sales guy. You know, it may not be for you selling or influencing. Yes, it has to be part of your job, part of your your role as a professional angler. But you can bring value another way to, to yeah. manufacturers. That's a huge plus. That's uh, a great point for sure. That I is, don't think a lot of people is. think of that. And, and you know, yeah, it's it's still that'll never go away. That'll never go away. And um, dude, so you so you talked about the four times, and you brought this up to me a couple of weeks ago. I didn't look at it this way. I, I, I had never until you brought this up. So, like, where does that figure come from? Can you break that down? Yeah, I mean, I can try to give you. And most companies, depending on their margin models, um, you know, what they either make in house or what they outsource from other people. It's going to be somewhere in between 25 and 35% usually. So in other words, for every $100 item, um, you know, you pretty much got to sell three and a half, 350 to $400 worth of stuff just to recoup all your costs. And your costs could be the items, the material, the machining of the parts, the powder coating, the assembly, the marketing, the website, the building, the insurance. I mean, there, there are so many costs that go into um owning a business of course uncle sam loves his portion of it so really it boils down to you know people talk about pricing items and everything else you really want to boil it down and, and say what do i need for the right you know partners to be able to carry it uh, you know bass pro tackle warehouse wh whoever the, the folks might be that are going to be your partners right what margins do they need so then what does my retail need to be and then what's my actual cost? So if I'm giving something to an angler, I'm not only losing it, what I, what I could have sold it for, but I'm also losing the actual cost, the machining, you know, all the labor in house. So when, when we say four X of something, you know, for angler, just to break even, that's a pretty good figure for us. Cause it's about 25%. So, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect number, Josh, but it's a pretty good ballpark. Yeah. That makes sense yeah, from, from an angler's perspective. And the one thing I never really thought about was like, yeah, the, that's a product that you, that you built to sell. So you're losing the sale on that as well. So um, pretty interesting. Uh, okay. So with that being said, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that, that you, that, that are challenges or things that you see that are issues in the angler and business sponsorship world right now? Like what are some of the things that are, are, are real challenges for you? Everybody lives in their own space. And that, that's a, a very vague statement, but I live here at the shop, right? I know what my cost model is. I know what I have to pay out, you know, for taxes and bills and salaries. And I know the pressure of putting food on not only my family's table, but my employee's table. The angler, they live in their world and, and they know what it costs them. They know what their entry fees are going to be. They know what their gas fees are going to have to be. They know how much time they're going to have to put into practice and all of this. And sometimes, you know, we put the blinders on and we really just don't take enough time to, to look at it from the other side. You know, when I hear some guys reeling off, you know, um, anything from 
the cost or the commitment or it's the same. You're running a business as an angler and I'm running a business over here. And, and in our case, Josh, we're both small family businesses, right? You got your wife and kids. I got my wife and kids. I got my 15, 20 guys out there and their wife and kids. So it's not like we're all just floating in money um, or floating in time. And so that's why the decisions are so important. That's why the challenge, you know, you asked me what the challenge is. The challenge is really partnering with the right people because it is not easy. It's not easy for you to run your business. It's not easy for me to run my business. And so if we're hurting each other in any way, instead of helping each other, again, it's just, it, uh, it's going to make it a longer run. And so um, biggest challenge is partnering with the right folks and, and also understanding, have those conversations with your vendors in, or your, your sponsors individually. What are your costs going to be? doesn't mean you expect them to pay for it and make sure they know that. I'm not expecting, I'm just being transparent, right? The vendor should then come back and say, here's, here's some of my cost challenges, right? Um, but the biggest question at the end of the day to me has to be, where, where do you want to go? What does Josh Bertrand want from a sponsorship in 2024? And then the answer or, or the question, to be honest with you, that I almost never get from anyone, where does DD26 want to go in 2024? What are your company goals that I can help? Achieve? Yeah, they make it all about themselves, right? Well, and, and not on purpose. Again, I think yeah, of course, of course. Yep. yep. That's huge. Right. Every sponsor is different too. Like, you know, your value to one sponsor is going to be totally different from your value to another one, to another one, to another one. And that's why, you know, um, a friend, a friend of mine years ago recommended, you know, as a young angler that was trying to get my first sponsorships when I started out. Um, and it's still, I still kind of go by this now is like every single company is so different that you can't have one approach and use it with all sponsors. You really need to take the time and say, okay, this is the situation that I picture this company being in. Um, these are some ideas that I have that I think could help them, but I still need to talk to this company and ask them, okay, what's going to be a big help? What, what would be a big help for you? I can take some of your VIP clients fishing and entertain your clients. I can help with product development. If you're, if you're just really trying to get your brand out there, I'll focus more, uh, you know, uh, more strongly on, on branding and stuff like that. But every single company is, uh, is different. And uh, yeah, asking those questions to whoever it is, whether it's the marketing person, whether it's the owner of the business, whatever, but uh, that's cool. And, and I've, I definitely think that makes a lot of sense. Ask, uh, ask what the goals are for, for that company moving forward, because yeah, a couple more light bulbs might pop off in your head. Oh, well, I could, I could actually help with this. I know someone that uh, does this and uh, I'll get you guys connected or whatever it might be. So that's pretty neat. And, um, and good on you, Josh, for identifying that, you know, that each company is different. And, and the advice that I would have to all the anglers out there, you're different too. You bring something of value to each of these companies. Do not send a blanket media kit over to a company that you don't know saying, I hope we can partner together in 2024 they don't know if you use you use their product. They don't know if you like their product. They don't they don't know what your objective is. All they know from this email is you want some money. That's the quickest way to get shoved. Honestly, that's the quickest way to get shoved aside. And it's also the least productive way to build a relationship. Sponsorships are relationships for the most part. 
I mean, the, the successful ones that you see go for five, 10, 15, 20 years, they don't last because the, the parties hate each other. They, they last because there's, there's a bond there now. There's a relationship. There's a trust factor. And so when you go out to start a sponsorship, start it with trust and relationship. Don't start it with a blanket email that you would send to anybody from Texas Roadhouse to Walmart to DD26. Start it with people that you actually care about. You use their products. You're proud of what they do and you want to be part of it. How often, how often do you see stuff like that? Just so, the, the wrong stuff coming, coming through. We probably get about 25 to 50, depending on the month, um, sponsorship requests. Some months you get into October and November and we'll see actually a hundred plus sponsorship requests come across. And I would say 10% of them at the most uh, actually have some person, personal stuff to them. 75% of them are just pencil whip media kits, um, people on social media just saying, hey, I'd love to rep you in East Texas. You know, okay, well, great, rep me. Um, you know, tell me more if you want to build a relationship. If, if you want something deeper, there's got to be some more. And, and I put out a thing, this is probably going back three, four, five years ago um, on sponsorship applications. And I said, it, it was titled, and you can probably find it on social media somewhere, but it was titled, What If? And it went into some things like, what if instead of a canned media presentation that told me how good you were, how many victories you had, all that stuff. What if you told me about uh, how many charity events you did or how many youth events you've helped with or how many times you've taken some of the product you got from sponsors and given it to other folks and got some feedback from your from those folks for your actual sponsors and just the little things, the personal things, right? And I don't care about it as much about where people finish or what circuits they're fishing. I, I truly care about who they are and can I build a relationship, a long-term one with that person? So yeah, we get quite a few. It's, um, and it, it's, it's sad because if you don't respond, you'll get bashed on so, social media. I had one person who responded, you know, or not responded, sent an email, sent a, a social media message. And frankly, the way that they were worded, um, they went to the bottom of the list on priority just because th there was nothing that said, hey, I'm different. I'm an angler you need to take a look at. Hey, let's build a relationship. And so what did that person do? They went out and put a couple of videos and just bashed us because we didn't respond. And it's <laughs> like, you know, again, we're a small company. There's one person up here doing marketing, sales, legal, accounting. Um, you know, we can't, we, we're only human. And so where are we going to gravitate towards the things that are priority? And, and the ones that aren't personal aren't priority to us. And, and that sucks to say, but it's it's just reality. Yeah, as, as an angler, a lot, it's real, it's real easy to, again, like you said it perfectly, you think you're living in your own world. And uh, man, I look back to when I first started traveling and, and fishing tournaments full time. I literally, that's, that's, I thought it was all about like, it was my world, dude. And, uh, you know, my finishes, I thought everyone else, cared about how I did. And it was all about me. I was a, you know, 23 year old cocky kid. Right. And, um, I understand, so I understand that side of it because, uh, that's again, you all live in your own world, but, um, yeah, it's, it's easy to not understand how many emails are coming across the desk. I mean, Dave, you're, you're a growing company, but you're getting a ton, dude. Imagine some of these companies that are 10 times bigger than yours. You know, right. it's got to be unbelievable, right? They have whole departments. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, 
So yeah, finding a way to differentiate yourself is is huge. Just like the dude, if you ever sit through a weigh in, every single guy gets up there and says the exact same thing because that's you know you're thinking that's how my day went. But guess what? That the guy right behind you had the same day and said the exact same thing, and the one behind him said the same thing. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure it gets repetitive. Right. Yeah. It's it's a. Um... We're all imperfect. That's the best thing about it. So, you know, whether you're looking for a company or whether a company is looking for help, you know, out there to staff their products, I think each one of us has to say, what do we bring to the table that's different than the guy standing next to you? Um, and if we can do that and mirror up with companies that, you know, have those same goals and synergies, it's just going to be a better place. The, the other thing is, if it doesn't work out, because not every sponsorship is going to be perfect, man, that's so critical. The company can't go bash that person. The person should go bash that company. Um, it's just too small of an industry. And, and all it does is more damage than good. Um, we all broke this at some point, right? We may not have been the, the main reason for it being broken or, or not perfect. Um, but we got the opportunity to make it better, right? Social media changed the game big time. You've heard that. How, how much recently? Well, good. Let's let's change it for the better. Let's take this stuff and do something positive. Let's have talks like this that close the gap between the angler and the companies. Let's understand, you know, I understand what it runs, you know, costs to run a company. Let's understand what it costs you to fish. And then let's understand that I'm ultimately not responsible for your fishing dreams. You're ultimately not responsible for my, my entrepreneur dreams, right? Um, because I go buy Haas machines, $2 million worth of machines, it doesn't mean Haas is going to sponsor me because I have a big electric bill because of those machines. SRP is not going to sponsor me. However, it's up to me if I, if I do want to build a better relationship with Haas because maybe I'm going to buy another machine and maybe I would like a deeper discount. That's up to me to go work that relationship, not to expect it, right? And so there's no guarantee I'd get anything, but I, I, I assure you I'd have a better chance if I would work it. So at the end of the day, it's, it's work, it's jobs, it's companies. You have yours. I have mine. If it's a partnership and a sponsorship, we have ours. And if you're not looking at it that way, that this is our little company uh, in a partnership, then I, I'm sorry, but I, my gut would tell me it's not going to work for you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Everyone is in it together, right? I mean, they've got their own goals, but um, you know, all, the more negativity and hate and drama that uh, spins around on social media, there's nobody that it helps. Uh, it looks foolish. And, um, you know, all the anglers look, end up looking silly as whole. Um, it's just, it's causing, it's causing more hate. It's causing more turmoil. So uh, yeah, obviously dude, it's not like uh, we're not going to have sunshine and rainbows everywhere. Look at the whole world in general, but uh, yeah, just having a, uh, those conversations and uh, looking at it from both sides, um, it's, uh, it's, it's an eye opener for sure. For me. Yeah. Um, Dave, you as a, you as a guy that sponsors people, when do you think someone in their fishing career should even reach out to potential sponsors? Great like, question. What, I mean, I you think just, it's, I think it's pushed so fast into some of these younger guys that all of a sudden that's more of what they're concerned about than learning how to enjoy fishing or fishing in general. I think you open the, 
the biggest can of worms there is out there. And Josh, you and I talked about this a little bit, so I, I, I will try not to be long-winded on this. But no, no, fishing, we're no fishing please, is, do. please do. <laughs> yeah, fishing is so different than other sports. Um, you know, at rigid, rigid industries, we sponsored everything from Baja racing to fishing to believe it or not, firefighter races, all, all kinds of stuff, right? Every different little um, hobby or, or interest has its own groups and its own foundation. If, if you take like major, major league sports, right? So say, let's say baseball or basketball, you have sponsors that pay those, those top organizations. They have money sharing that the, the teams get uh, portions of and, and, and they kick it down and they pay their, their players, right? The players then at the pro level are also able to go out and get their own sponsorships. Michael Jordan with Nike, great example, right? But this money at the top and then fed down as salaries or payments or, you know, like in golf, they pay out by tournament. <clears throat> that has to be there at the top in order for it to be successful, right? And if you took a look at Major League Baseball and said, okay, Rawlings and Louisville Slugger and Nike and DirecTV and Mizuno, all the all these big companies, right, that pay the top folks right now. They pay Major League Baseball. If they all just said tomorrow, ah, man, I could touch 500 million people just by giving them 50 bucks a piece. So we're going to go to every Little League club. We're going to go to the Softball Drinkers of America club on Friday nights at the bars, and we're going to give them each 50 bucks instead of giving Major League Baseball millions of dollars, right? What would that do to Major League Baseball? I, I mean, it would probably not be real good for the pros playing in that, I would assume. Um, but in fishing, that's exactly what we do. We rush out and give everything from high schools to – and and what's interesting, I've never seen anything where people are so willing just to ask for it. Just, oh, we're having a tournament. Can you donate some items? Again, that item, you know. $200 item cost me 800 bucks, really, in reality. It's not, it doesn't seem like that, but it does by the time of everything I put into it, what I could have sold it for. And so, and it's crazy. It's, um, I, I think if you are young in the sport, your best bet just, and this is me out of courtesy more than maybe what should be the law, look for non endemic sponsors, look for sponsors that. Maybe it's in your local community. It's not going to impact a Brandon Polinick, a Josh Bertrand. A, you know, it's not going to impact the main food source for the guys who've earned it up at the top. Go look for your local restaurants or your local stores, something that um, is different. Again, we talked about being different earlier. That's my suggestion to you. I, I'm not sure that breeding a culture of have other people pay for your your desires and dreams is a great thing. I, I'm there's too many guys I know that have had to work their tails off to earn their way into the elites. And I'm not talking about just fishing or major, you know, major league fishing as well. I'm not talking about just fishing. They've had to work and work and work to pay for their opportunity to go play in that sport. Um, setting the expectation that if you just ask enough people, you won't have to work. You can just concentrate on fishing. I don't think that's helping that kid out. I really don't. I don't think it's helping him out in life because what percentage of, of the anglers actually are going to make it to the major league fishing or, or the elites? 
I mean, it's a small percentage. So what's that guy going to fall back on? I'm not sure. So, I don't Great know if I point. answered your question. It's, a, abso it's absolutely. A I, me being a guide, I've had, I don't know how many young kids say, hey, how do I get next? And I always like point them towards the stuff for young kids in town, the junior Bassmasters, the high school tournaments, all that stuff. But I always make them make a deal with me. I'll be like, hey, I'll help you connect with someone to do this, but please don't be the guy that worries about sponsorships. Like buy it a worries. Hat. That's the key don't, word too. Don't even it's, think about exactly. it. Exactly. Learn how to love fishing. Like mm -hmm. stop. The jersey, the just everything. There's so many cool things that these young kids, they could wear a AFCO hoodie. Uh, they could wear a, I just say just that type of stuff that's super low key and cool. And then you got the kids with all the sponsors. They look like freaking woo Daves, right? Like with bazillion patches. And I think it looks terrible. It's just a bad look. And the parents fall right into that. Just like you said, um, I'm a parent that brought up a baseball player. My son played at a very high level in baseball and nobody, I didn't call Rawlings to pay our, our team dues right. and our fees like but if if i mean a lot of these parents really see that as an opportunity and i mean you hit the nail on the head with that i'm very passionate about that because i i mean i i'm a fishing guide i i feel as a fishing guide i don't even deserve sponsors i've stopped any anything towards sponsorship long ago like back i was probably a regional fisherman at best and you know, I always felt like I needed sponsors, right? And worked my way towards, I had a few good ones and this and that, but come on, man. I, I, I know one guy that literally was fishing Bassmaster opens and had to have sponsorships to go because he couldn't come out of his pocket to do it. And he felt he was owed that. And I don't get that. Like, that's not like the opens are, I mean, you better be able to fund that on your own to be able to deserve to be in the elites in my opinion so yeah i don't know i could go on and on and on i'm pretty <laughs> hey i i opened a business and i i expect people to buy stuff yeah it no it doesn't work exactly dude. it doesn't yeah. right yeah you gotta make right. good stuff and you gotta work at it but and you do um, that hey one one point because you just you you hit something that's near and dear to my heart i have three <laughs> kids i have three girls um so I want to pose this to every angler out there who wants to send a sponsorship request to somebody. That sponsorship request comes across my email. I look at it. I have a daughter playing club volleyball, a daughter playing flag football, dog, daughter doing track. Then in the off seasons, they're in basketball, they're in band. It's, it's crazy. The number of sports that our kids all play, right? Right. So when I see your sponsorship request, just answer one question for me. Why would I give you the money instead of my own kids for their sports? Because that's what you're asking me to do. You're asking me to take the money off of my table and give it to you for your dreams while my kid's out here playing something else. And I have to make the decision of should I not sponsor so-and-so and help my daughter and take the money home? Because not all of us, it's the fallacy. Not all of us business owners actually pay each other, pay, pay ourselves. Um, and we certainly don't pay ourselves what some of you guys would think, but we got a life to live too. So if, if I was a young angler and I heard this statement, what is going to make that guy want to fund me 
or helped me the same way he's going to help his own kids. And then I put my proposal together. I, th I think you're going in the right direction there because that's really, that's really what you're asking somebody to do. You're going to make a guy really think out, okay, well, <laughs> what can I do to be real value for this company? Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, earlier, Rob, you said, you know, whether or not someone deserves it, I think, I mean, dude, everyone, anyone can deserve a sponsorship if they have the right approach and they um, have value. Right. Like I think yep. anyone, yep. anyone deserves it no matter who you are. So we're certainly, none of us are trying to discourage people from, you know, trying to go down that road, no matter where you are. But uh, one thing, you know, is like, we just don't, we were talking about the kids and uh, you just don't want to see worrying about the business side of something, take the fun out of it for someone who doesn't need to be worrying. Like you're, you're creating problems for yourself. Like, you know, you're, you're a kid, just enjoy it, learn, have fun. Um, you can learn about that stuff as you get a little bit older. Right. And, and you're get, just go out there, carry yourself. Well, make relationships, meet people, be respectful. Um, dude, when it's time to learn this side of it, if you've been respectful and you're well-respected and, and you're doing things the way, um, carrying yourself the right way, you're going to have those opportunities. It didn't, doesn't matter if you wore a logo on your uh, Jersey for, you know, since you were 12, it uh, doesn't, it, it's going it, to, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Look at it this way. Look at the value. Um, you're diminishing your value. If you're wearing all that stuff at a young age, in my opinion, let's say you are, a really good young angler and you're working your way up and everyone starts noticing just the fact that you're a good fisherman, right? And then sponsors are going to want to come to you and give you money to wear something if you're not wearing something already. Am I saying that correctly? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think it was Jay Yellis told John Murray, this was 30 years ago. Why would someone want to pay you to wear that if you're already wearing it? So yeah. I right. hear you, but and here, here again, again, I, I agree. Uh, devil's advocate, dude. If you love Bass Pro Shops, wear a Bass Pro Shop shirt. If you love Nitro Boats, wear a Nitro Boat shirt. If you love DD26, wear it. We're not True. saying don't wear, wear what you no, like, but I, I get uh, that. But it, I'm just saying, like, don't you don't have to look the part to be the part as much. Yeah, just go have fun. I mean, you're a kid, yeah. dude. Yeah. Just have fun yeah. as a kid. Yeah. And if that's what's fun to you, then do it. If you want, yep. if, if having sponsors is fun, do it. But don't, it's not, I think it's unfair to put pressures on yourself to feel like you have to do that at a young age yeah. at any age, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. We, uh, we, <laughs> we could go on and on on this. Um, what else is there anything else? It's already been almost a dang hour. So, uh, Dave's got work to do. Uh, what, anything else for Dave, Rob? Uh, no, other than just keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. I've never, I never imagined I'd look at my motor toter and my, what do you call the uh, hydraulic uh, stops? Steering locks. Steering yeah. stops. I never thought I'd look at them and be like, those are badass, but they are badass. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. And I kind of like have, like I look at some of the cheesier motor stops or steering stops and it's like, I don't know. The DD26 ones just look cool. So. Well, we appreciate it. Not only do they look cool, they're one of the the few out there that um, you're able to use it on multiple different steering systems. 
And when you click those in there, man, you know, they're not going solid again. Yep. So it's about the performance that the cool factor and all of that, that that's, I, I just can't see having a 50 to a hundred thousand dollar boat and, and not making something that looks the part as well. Um, you know, at rigid, we made light bulbs. Cool. I think was the, the phrase. And here we found a way to make motor toads cool. But the, the biggest deal is, and one thing I do want to say, you know, there's a, a lot of, um, internet talk that goes back and forth on different issues, right? It's like politics and within different topics. Um, five years plus of doing the motor totes now, we have not had one issue. And I'd be the first phone call that somebody gave, you know, believe me, if there was an issue with boats, the automotive grade bump stops that we put on there really do actually absorb impact. They're not rubber. It doesn't just bounce. They actually absorb. We, we just we've done a really good job at the technology side of things, making sure we don't use materials that are going to damage your trim seals and your hydraulic steering seals, stuff like that. So we've tried to take the extra step. It's cost more to do it. It's cost more to do it here in America, but man, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I'm super appreciative of the opportunity to help, help the angling community in any way I can by making good stuff. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And there's new stuff popping up constantly. You know, you've got your flagship products that everyone knows, but um, follow them online and uh, you know, you'll see, I mean, it seems like once a month, something new. Oh, Hey, that's cool, dude. That, uh, that solves this problem. That solves that problem. So there's always something new coming from, uh, from Dave and his crew. Heck yeah. One more, yeah. one more tidbit, Josh, piece of advice. Okay. So we talked, talked about it. So young anglers older anglers i don't care what age you are if you want to go partner with somebody what's the value proposition and everybody out there has tons of product ideas they, they've seen stuff or have stuff they want instead of sending over a media kit with an email that is not personal doesn't tell anyone about how you really are as a person come in with an idea send an email asking for the right person at the company to talk about a product idea that you actually want to partner and do something long-term and build a relationship by providing value right off the, the bat. You know, the easiest way for companies to help finance sponsorships is if anglers come to them with product ideas that actually they can pay them commission on. That way the money's not coming out of the company prior to sales being made. It's actually follows you and you earn as you go. And so just, just be different, come in with a different plan versus a, a canned media kit a great idea hey hopefully i know uh you know we've got some pretty creative listeners so hopefully uh, your mm -hmm. phone rings from someone with uh with the next great idea for uh for you dude that's awesome but it's a great it's a great point and man what what a better mm -hmm. there's no better scenario than that right like as an angler to have your name on something and and have royalties on on a product for years to come it's a dream scenario, right? And it's a dream scenario for the company for all the re uh, reasons you just mentioned. So that's pretty cool, man. Yep. It's, it's a very unique way of thinking. I like it. I, I just thought about that. You're right. Now the emails and phone calls are. <laughs> mm -hmm. What's your cell phone again, <laughs> dude? A long week. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Make sure that uh, you tell them that Rob Vanderkoy sent them. That's yep. right. Yep. Give them Rob's email. We'll be all right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome, dude. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, Thanks uh, for everything you do. And uh, yeah, um, dude, enjoy uh, enjoy your week. And um, I'm sure we'll be seeing you on the water really soon, Dave. Right back at you. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. You, you can hop off, man. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. See you. Ya.
What do you think, dude? It's awesome. Like yeah. he has valid points. Hopefully I didn't go too far off the no. off the edge there, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm passionate about it cuz I want guys like like yourself that earn sponsorship to have sponsorship, right? And that's I think that's probably part of the problem is that you have a lot of guys that have a full-time job that are taking away from um they have a full-time job and they're a regional angler at best. And they're, you know, taking sponsorship away from guys that are doing it full time. So, well, and I definitely, I, I get your point, dude, and I appreciate it. You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't want to. You don't see it that sound way, like but, a spoiled right. dude that right. like, hey, I deserve all this and nobody else does. Um, but I get I get what you're saying, and like the thing is, like, and just what Dave J, Dave's uh, Rawlings uh, comment, right? Like, dude, if if there is no incentive to get to the top then what's the point right like i mean there is no major league baseball if if there's no place to play where these guys can go make a bunch more money if if, if the money was the same everywhere the players would be spread out everywhere and you would have no elite league right so like well uh, just you- imagine how repulsive dude it would be repulsive if you showed up to a club baseball tournament and 10 of the top guys top kids were decked out in Rawlings gear and had all the best stuff and were getting paid. Like, <laughs> think about that. It's crazy to think about. It's it bass fishing is no, a unique deal. Too. It'd be disgusting. Yeah, like, I hear you. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. I hear you. you. Go down so. to the rec basketball game and kids got all the right shoes and you know, just like whatever, dude. That I don't know. <laughs> I could we need to change the it's subject. It's a yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a it's a loaded topic, dude. And uh yeah. yep, yep. Um well that's cool. Um Matt, I appreciate Dave coming on. It's just interesting to hear from that side. This this episode might not be for everybody. It's a little bit different than our typical shows, especially without Nick. But um, it'll be for a lot of people. And, dude, if I was uh, an aspiring tournament fisherman or even a tournament fisherman now, an established tournament fisherman, you could learn something from listening to Dave. Like, Absolutely. That will help yep. you yep. get more sponsorships and better sponsorships and have better relationships down the road if you pay attention to what he said i'm sure of it my favorite thing about dave is the fact that he comes from rigid and rigid was not just bass fishing right like it was bass fishing was such a small portion of their sponsorship and he dealt with i don't know what his title was there but i'm assuming he was in marketing and sales yeah director of sales and he was one of the owners of the company yep yeah so so he was dealing with top end um, off-road racers, um, what do you say? All kinds of different yeah. type of sponsorships. Oh yeah, for so, sure. Yep. So he saw, I mean, he, he had people coming to him with completely different approaches from every different facet of sponsorship that they did. And, um, yeah, I bet he, I bet if he wanted to go after sponsors, like personally, like he would have all the tricks in his pocket. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. Dude, you're right. It all come towards him. <laughs> you're so. right. Yeah. 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 Yep. You know, uh, shout out to my buddy, Todd Klein, dude. We've had Todd on the show twice, but he was the director of marketing for Quicksilver, right? Look so what like, it's, and he's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such an advantage because yeah. uh, he knows what is valuable to these companies, right? And well, you he's just able don't to articulate know. it too. Yeah. You know exactly what not to do is probably a lot of it, right? Sure. Sure. So, yeah. It's, yep. it's a learning curve. And man, I've learned plenty of lessons the hard way that, you know, and I still do like, it's still over time you, you learn more and um, you make mistakes, but 
Yeah, I had some embarrassing phone calls with potential with like, you know, prospective sponsors when I first started out. Like, you know, I I say three or four things and the phone just gets hung up, right? And yeah. uh, you know, it just I had no idea what I was doing. Like I didn't grow up in that in that field and and still I'm still learning. So and 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 things are changing. Like uh it's a lot different than it was 20 years ago. It's a lot different than it was 10 years ago. So um yeah, I everyone think- takes their own path. When I was trying to get sponsors and I mean, I had some really good sponsors years ago, but like you talk about awkward phone calls, dude. My God, if you don't like some of the worst phone calls in the world, right? Like so (laughs) nervous to talk to this guy. Oh, sure. Oh, it was. Yeah. I had some interesting ones because I always did better face to face and that's not the world that we live in. You know, it's just not. Yeah. Well now, dude, it's all AI. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, now you can worse. just type out i bet yeah, half I the emails dave gets are ai they're probably not God. even right themselves <laughs> go crazy so yeah anyhow yeah. are you going fishing this week um i am going to houston tomorrow so i'm driving cross What's country i'm headed to houston um got a, a um a little sponsor deal going on over there and um the public will hear more about that soon. It's a, it's a, gotcha. a okay. something cool that's coming out. So uh going to go uh, head over there for a few days. I'll head to Santee Cooper to go ride around and pre-fish that for nice. a little bit. I, you know, I went back and forth, but Hey man, it's just, you got to only, it. it's only yep. 2000 miles across the country. May as well just do it. Right. <laughs> so going to drive you, over there. Have you been there a few times? No, that's why I'm going. It's absolutely so it's massive. All- like it's all about navigation, right? You're going to learn how to get around and not tear your boat up. And, exactly. And yeah, navigate right. and then um, just mark stuff like it's pre-spawn. So although there are a lot of trees and stumps and stuff, there are still a lot of brush piles and stuff. And uh, gotcha. yeah, if I can go throw 500 brush piles into the, uh, into the Garmin encyclopedia or the Garmin phone book or whatever you would call uh, my playbook into my playbook yep. and um, you know, just learn some different things. It's, it, sh- it surely won't hurt. So do that. And then I'll fly home. So, um, yep. It's uh time to start getting things rolling. The schedule this year is not out of control. Things are spaced out. So, um, I do have time in, be- in between the events. We've got two pretty quick and then a pretty good break after that. So, um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I just, the first t- term of the year, you're packing for everything. And like, you know, once you get mid season, you're kind of a well-oiled machine, but it's been a few months since I since I you know traveled to one of these, so it's just getting everything organized and set up again is is something to it's it's a process. Right on, That's yeah. Cool. But cool, uh, yeah. Well, uh, dude, if you, if you're good to go, I'll let you get back to uh, your con- your contracting. And um, yeah, thanks again to all the listeners. Thanks uh, for Dave for coming on, and um, we will be back at you guys soon. Thank you much. Awesome.